Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast may contain adult language. Chris and Sam, give a damn. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Chris and Sam, give a damn. We're in spring 2019. Episode eight. Episode eight. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We're glad to be back for another one. We continue to be flattered at um, the amount of people that apparently are listening to us. We haven't heard your feedback as much yet. We do have an email that we may read later, but um, there's, yeah, we, we always want your feedback at uh, Chris and Sam give a damn spelled out at gmail.com. Yeah, we've got two great installments on the episode uh, this time for you. We're going to do another installment of It Came From Our Collection which is one of our faves. That's right. And then we're also going to do another returning segment that we like to call Gay Stuff. Gay Stuff. Gay Stuff. Yeah, I don't know why I say it so strangely, but um, yes. That's going to be awesome. So sit back and get ready for episode eight of Chris and Sam Give a Damn. Here we go. It came from our collection. All right, we have It Came From Our Collection, and... This week, it was my choices for the three DVDs and three Blu-rays from mine and Sam's personal collection. Uh, This is Chris, obviously, right? Um, And six choices that... And this time, I was extremely subjective as far as not, not... you know, caring what Sam might think of the movie, with some movies that I would want to watch, or movies that we don't get to watch usually, because they're, you know, out there in my tastes. And as a reminder, uh, I'm blindfolded. He'll make the six choices that I will get to, sel- to select one from, and I can't see them. Basically, that's it. That's the game. So what are the uh, six movies that I had to choose from this time? I'll start with the DVDs. Um, and he didn't know whether it was a DVD or a Blu-ray when we were picking, but it's okay. We'll start with DVDs. Um, I have the movie Catfish. Nice. That is a movie from... I want to say 2009, maybe? That sounds about right, actually. Ooh, according to the IMDb, it was 2010. But 2010 was released, okay. Excellent. And let's see, his name's Ariel Schulman and Henry Joost, um, the two filmmakers that were that were doing that. They later did paranormal activity movies and stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much about it, but do you remember it? It had, like, the thing about... that. That's where the there's a catfish show now and stuff, mm-hmm. and... A uh, crazy lady that had 500, like, 500 <laughs> Facebook accounts. Cool. Jaw-dropping. Gripping. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they still say it's a documentary, and everybody says that it's, like, an art piece, basically. Like, mm. you know, sort of unscripted, maybe, but, like, kind of a setup. Anyway. All right. Next, we had Rent on DVD. And Rent, the movie motion picture version of the old Broadway show. Old. From the from the like mid nineties, uh, you know, mostly same cast as the original and all that stuff. This yeah. one a little musical. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I like my musicals. 
Then we had my old favorite movie, Reality Bites, yes. uh, from 1994, I believe. I'd watch you it know, a million times. A mi- like a yes, me too, a million. And um, Janine Garofalo alone, but then you get Ethan Hawke in there and Steve Zahn. Stil- yeah, Steve Zahn, Ben Stiller, whatever. I'm not dissing on him. I'm just saying those other people are more of a draw for meme. I like Ben Stiller in the movie. He's he's different than he usually is. That's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack too, uh, amazing. Then we had David Lynch, Blue Velvet, you know, the movie from the 80s, like mid-80s maybe. Yes, we have a wonderful David Lynch collection, like a lot of his films on Blu-ray. Yeah, it is wonderful. It's really colorful and awesome, and and, and it's like a a different... um, It's in PAL format, European format. Right, but we have a DVD player which will do that for us. So we, we are, oh, we love it. We have a special DVD player that pretty we, much for that yeah. collection because <laughs> there's like six movies or something. Right, it, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love David Lynch, so yeah, that's why it's in there because um, I had to get that for for my signature choices round. I had to get that in there. Uh, Blue Velvet. Do you like it? Yeah. Cool. Dennis Next. Hopper, classic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His probably, I don't know, greatest role, wouldn't you say? It was such a turn in tone, I think, for him. Well, for everybody, because well, the movie I mean, that's was what so I think about when I think sure. about him. Yeah. So for sure. Okay. Next on Blu-ray, we had Les Misérables. Another musical. Yep. I think I've picked it before. Um, I love all the songs from it. Sam had to suffer through it with me in the theater, but we actually have never watched it on Blu-ray here. <laughs> I, um, that's that's that we that's an argument because I know after we bought the Blu-ray that we watched it because it's open. So I'm, I'm no. Well, I opened it for the last oh, round of it came from busted. our collection when I put it in. Busted. Um, so I know for sure that we hadn't watched it. I, I'm not a bit the biggest fan of this film. We did see it and we were dating, so it was one of those things. It's like, oh, this person I'm really interested in that's really cool wants to see this movie really bad. So. There's, there was no way I was going to not see that movie with you. <laughs> I mean, as far as movie musicals go in the last 20 years, like it's probably one of the best, I'd say. That's a whole show right there. Believe <laughs> we'll it at that. Well, no, I wouldn't want to do most of them. Because right. Phantom of the Opera sucks. Like, I'm not, <laughs> not optimistic for- for cats, um, we'll have to you know, do some kind of, of like speed round musical. Even the thing. live That'd action, even the live action Disney stuff sucks. I like the idea of like a speed round musical comment session or something like that. Okay, what's our last one? <laughs> last one is a Disney movie. Which did they redo it? Live action? Yeah, they sure did. Um, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty, another musical. I guess we're yeah. going to be doing a musical this and, time. And, and the remake sucks, but this is the cartoon classic from the 90s. Um, it's Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury. Oh, oh, Enchanted. So good. I wish I knew the singer, you know, the bell singer. I don't. I'll, I'll just, <laughs> you know, I didn't do any research for, for the ones we didn't pick. Um, <laughs> and so. Oh, spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, we spoiler, didn't pick oh, this one. Oh, at the end of the choices. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, all right. Tell them what I, we did. Yeah, anyway, it, it would have been cool um, for Beauty and the Beast. Um, so, once again, for DVDs, we had uh, Catfish, Rent, uh, Reality Bites, and then for Blu-rays, we had Blue Velvet, uh, Les Mis, and Beauty and the Beast. And as a rule clarification, they don't all have to be either Blu-ray or um, a DVD for the game, it's just Chris and I have kind of caught into the habit of doing three of each. 
Right. So I mean, we, we're kind of just <laughs> grabbing from both the left part, left side, and the right side of our collection, and trying to get everything right <laughs> a little bit. Or yeah, at least and a it's good weird because it's a sampling. It's a very strange breakdown of what's on Blu-ray and what's on DVD. Um, we don't have the VHS on display, so technically we could have VHS for it came from our collection as well. I might throw that curveball. We in do. There sometime. Yes, we have VHS tapes. Oh my god! And players and whatever we need. That so. Would be so good. <laughs> So There's some good movies. All right, so those were great choices, and um, tell them what I picked, or I can tell you what I picked. Yeah, Damn it, I pick? picked it. I drew out R- 2005's Rent. Rent. Yes. So that's what we'll be talking about this time on. It came from our collection. Yep, 2005, directed by Chris Columbus, not the Explorer. Right, and I saw uh, this. When I found out that Chris Columbus directed, I was like, really? He, that's very different for him. I mean. Well, 2005, like, has he done anything that was, that was like his own thing for a while? Let's see. He, Rent was like right after Fantastic Four, which he was an executive producer. Okay, so. Right. Then Christmas with the Cranks, three Harry Potter movies, Monkey Bone, Bicentennial Man. Monkey Bone? Yeah, let's that's, look at his that's Brendan Fraser. Movie. Let's look at his director. Stepmom credits. is a good movie. I don't know. Yeah, we're looking at his because produce, of the director, his producer credits. <laughs> but he does okay. So he does Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and then he does Rent three years later. Right. That's interesting. Right. And I think it's a well-directed movie. Do you? Yes, and I I really enjoy um, Chris Columbus's work very much. So I think he's got a very deft touch. He can work on huge, super huge budgets like the, uh, you know, the Harry Potter movies, but yet still get those little touches and things that may go overlooked in in some other films. So sure, well, and I, I just, yeah, and that, he directed Home Alone. I mean, and, right, Home Alone. Any quibbles? You just say Adventures in Babysitting, which is right, like, which that's has just, Anthony Rapp in it. Oh. Uh, Anthony Rapp is the original Mark from Rent, who's also in this movie. <laughs> right, and he also went on to do like Star Trek recently, the new Star Trek. Right, and and has been in the news. Um, we won't go into the Kevin Spacey crap. Um, so let's see. All right, so I'm, I'm I sorry, got a, but I, got but I, I wanted to finish my thought All right. um, with the director. I he um, any quibbles I have is not with the directing. There, there. This movie is pretty flawed, but it, like any problems I have are not because of the director. Yeah. I, I say, I guess full disclosure. Um, I know this this musical by heart pretty much. I was kind of screwing up when I was trying to sing along to it before, but um, since have you been listening school, to it all day? No, yeah. I, I listened to it right before this. Um, yeah. We watched the movie about a you know a couple weeks ago, I think at this point. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're we're um, you're getting our reaction after some time. I, I think in some ways he because it oh. was a production and had a life of its own and got famous on its own. There are certain things that he's restrained as a director that he can't change or you know go too crazy. He's there to just do a good cinematic version of a stage play. Sure. Uh, but again, <laughs> part of what I like about the movie is that it's it opens it up so much and that it's, you know, like, because they're all in, they're all on, like, there's this, like, scaffolding on the stage when, when it's the real show. This is what I was going to say. I know I, I know the show very well. My, all my friends know the show very well from high school. Um, we all sang it together in random social 
you know, settings, not because we had to, um, all this stuff. So we had it all visualized and then we saw it, you know, and, and it's just like a very simple set. And, you know, you change locations every five minutes in this movie. I, I, I think it's, you know, it's very different in that way. Do you have a, is one better than the other or do you enjoy the them state? both for what, for whatever medium they're in? It's so hard because I've never, I didn't see this cast, you know, um, the original cast I saw as touring brought, it was touring Broadway um, production of it, which it was amazing. I feel if I saw the original cast, it might've been the best version. So are most stage On versions stage. of this like stripped down, like really stripped down and there's like not very much scenery or right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, not quite black box, but strip way down from, pretty much black box if you're I mean because you have Whoa. you have the band here all the the whole time you have you know a big construction um, around the band and then you have people climbing all around it you know one part you pretend it's the apartment you know you you have the light go go um, lower on the set to have it be someone on the phone in another you know state or something um, and then you have New York on the street is just the foreground. You you black out the you black out the scenery and it's action on the street just in front of everyone. Hmm. So I mean, it's 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 very different to do a movie. They, in fact, they had to change some dialogue. You know, they, they cut out some things that were kind of annoying. Um, you know, this is all the stuff you don't want to hear from a fan of something like a fan of Rent that that knows everything. Like they, they cut this and they change this or whatever. But the way that they do it, whether it's Chris Columbus doing any of it or not, um, I don't know. But the way they do it is pretty cool for the movie in some in some parts. And it does add some things to the movie, sometimes not. How do you think it was received by that that core audience that really likes the stage play? Ooh, I know that I read a bad review of it in Rolling Stone, um, which I'm he's probably familiar with stuff. Um, but he does watch a lot of, you know, he's the movie critic. Um, and then my friends, I know that there's some friends that really love this movie and say like they did a really good job with it. It's hard to not like it when it, when they really did dig deep for the cast to come back. And the only parts that are replaced are Mimi played by Rosario Dawson and, um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I need to know the actress's name that plays Joanne. Because Joanne also does the Seasons of Love um, solo, and that's a big, huge part of the, the show. Tracy, oh no. Yeah, Tracy, she looks a lot different in this picture. Tracy Toms um, is Joanne, and, and she's really good. Um, both, I, I think Rosario's really good. Did you, I mean, did you have any opinions on her singing at all? Not necessarily. That would be the nitpick for the for the true fans because, right. um, you know, it's Mimi uh, from Rent, so th so they they love their Mimi, you know, and and it is the main love story behind the whole play. Like the arc um, of the whole musical starts with Mimi and Roger, um, and and follows follows them to the end of the musical anyway, and um, so so yeah. Other than that, you have all their friends. Well, I was, yeah. What, what, I once was, we got into the movie, what were you, what were you thinking? Well, I was struck by, in some ways, how Chris Columbus was bringing some film devices into it right away. Like you see Super Eight film, 
and uh, like a Bolex 16 millimeter camera and that kind of footage when you're watching some of the credits and stuff, which I thought was uh, was really interesting. And then I, I love Rario. I think she's awesome. Rario. Like she can't she can't do any any harm. She can never be bad. No, never. She, she's just good. She has so much charisma on screen. And she loves the part of Mimi. I. It's weird to, to me to think that she was probably already famous when the play came out, or when the musical came out. When did it come out? Um, 96, I believe, which is way later than I thought. Um, but 1996, I, I, I believe the, the um, Broadway musical came out. Or off-Broadway? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but... Um, this is like two films after Sin City for her, and how oh, many? Yeah, Sin where's City was Clerks? Good. How many after Clerks? She did a lot. Clerks of work, two was right? up there, um, between Grindhouse and The Guide to Recognizing oh, Your Saints. and Grindhouse. Oh, to go on from Clerks two to Grindhouse, like she's awesome. And then we saw that independent movie with her and and Pucci. Yeah, Lou Taylor Pucci. <laughs> yeah, Rosario Dawson is amazing. I mean, from I first saw her in Kids, I knew that she yes. was going to be. And that was in 1995. Man, she's had a great career and and, she, and well deserved. She's a great actress. Yeah, so um, she was already famous. That's crazy. Well, I think in some ways I was able to come at this film in a different way than someone who has seen the stage play live or had a lot more knowledge of it because I wasn't as tied to anything when I watched it because this was really my first in-depth exposure to this musical. Okay, so you're not as familiar with the musical as I am, no, and that's I safe think, to say. Right, I think we've seen it. Did we see it together? Yes. Okay. I didn't remember that, but <laughs> so that apparently that it Just, had such a huge impact on me. So the the first number, Rent, the first number, fuck, how old am I? Um, uh, <laughs> Rent, the song, is not my favorite song from the musical, but it showed the potential for this movie because... Um, it's really cool and high, high energy in the movie. It's better than on stage, I, I'd say. And then by the end, you actually have a huge group of people singing, and you kind of get the effect of it, even on film. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was cool. What, do you have a favorite song? A favorite song? Um, probably uh, probably uh, take, take Me or Leave Me. It's the it's the lesbian couple singing about, you know, the end of their relationship, basically, because or at least they take a break after that one because they get get on each other's nerves by the end of the song. I like uh, was it La 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 Vie Bohème. I almost chose that one. Any song that has a reprise is a standout for me. So and they reprise that a couple times, don't they? It's it, the weird thing about that is, yeah, they, they they started and they're in the life cafe. You know, they're just gathering and like dancing and eating and singing. And um, then there's a whole thing with Roger and Mimi that's kind of actually dull and depressing. And I always thought so um, for a while. But then they pick right up with it with it in the same location. And then they finish it off and they have the line about the faggots, Leslie's Dyke, crossdressers, too. It's the most triumphant part of the song, and I don't know if it's okay for lesbians, so I'm sorry if that was offensive. That was a quote from the movie that they kept. They've kept in all, I think, all um, incarnations, even the one, that, the live one we saw. Mm. Um, so anyway. What did they change? Um, 
Oh, in the live version that we watched on TV, on Fox, they changed a lot. They couldn't say the word dildo. They couldn't (laughs) say um, any fucks, Um, which is bad because there's there's the lady that comes up and she says, who the fuck do you think you are? She doesn't say that in the movie either, though, I don't think. So mm. it's kind of sad. It's my it's my favorite part. I think. <laughs> Did we watch all of the Fox one? Didn't we like turn it off halfway through? I and watched you were it like... and I cried because of what of what it was. Like it was still Rent or whatever. Oh, and I thought um, they it was the best Mimi and Roger I had ever heard. Whoa! I am being sacrilegious because I didn't like Roger at all in the original. Like mm. including he's the same person in the movie in mm. this movie we watched. Um, and so I never liked him. Um, and then Mimi. Mimi's good, um, but she has sort of like a Gloria Stefan sort of raspy type type of voice, and and I think it's cool when they they switch that up a little bit. Mm. Raspy is the wrong. I mean, it, it, it's it's good. <laughs> well, uh, it was interesting that you said that Jesse Martin was in the original cast. Is that right? Yes. And I first knew him from um, Law and Order. Yeah. And so, well, and, and when the movie came up, it's like some of these were surprises. I'm like, oh, that guy's famous. Yeah. Before, you know now. And Tay Diggs was he also in the original cast? Yeah. Awesome. I always think of Tay Diggs from uh, Go and his wonderful performance in that film. But that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Some really t- he's I mean, good really great in, in the original recording, and he's good in the movie too. Well, I like those crossover performers that do multiples. I know sometimes. People that do Broadway are exclusively Broadway, and they don't do a lot of other uh, television or movie projects. I mean, it varies quite a bit, but some only focus on live theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting, and they're great in this. I mean, it's a natural for them. It's really cool that they're back, and you know, it's... absolutely. Um, okay, so to get a little bit more into the ins and outs of the plot, um, we have Mimi and Roger, who um, both have AIDS. They they had AIDS before they met. Um, I guess I, I'm not sure about Mimi. It's I, I for a while I thought it was implied that that she gets it over the course of the uh, the show. Over the course of the show, but right. um, I I don't think so because I don't think Roger would do that to her on purpose, mm. which is ridiculous. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, they have AIDS. Um, we also have the two male gay lead, or I mean, sort of secondary leads as um and 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 they both have aids as well they um and and had it when they met <clears throat> uh, and that's collins and angel so you know collins and angel are going to ha- you know cause you the most amount of tears during the the show the yeah. show <laughs> there are some very moving points in here i mean even if you're not as much of a fan or what have you it's hard not to get swept oh away in the oh. i mean it's it's yeah, it's pretty powerful the the funeral scene is so well done in in the movie, uh, especially because Jesse Martin um, gives an original performance. He doesn't do a carbon copy of what he did before, and in doing so, it's way more emotional than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I'll, pretty much every time that I watch it, it's way more emotional than I expect. So I am a wreck by the end of it. <laughs> so yeah, that's amazing, and there's a lot of stuff that's amazing in this. It's hard to name everything. Um, let's see. Anyway, so so they meet. Um, Angel starts getting sick. That's one plot point. Then they have, we have um, Maureen and Joanne who break up and get together, and then break up again, and then get together again, and <laughs> and um, sing the whole time, and sing, sing about it. And Mark is is um, Joe. Excuse me. Mark is Maureen's ex, 
Um, so she's uh, bisexual, I guess. I, I'm not sure if she identifies that way in the mm. in the thing. Um, but yes, I, Adina Menzel is one of the best parts. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about her or whatever. I don't. Uh, she's the one that sings in Frozen. Uh, and she's Maureen. She's Maureen. Okay. Yeah. And also uh, Wicked. She's the lead in Wicked. Wow. There was. And uh, she's awesome. So um, you can't say anything bad about her. She's um, Take Me or Leave Me is an awesome song. Um, and yeah. So how do you feel they tie it up? Like, how do you feel about the ending, the reflecting of that? The ending, um, I think it shows the limitations of film. I don't understand how after the first part with the amazing ensemble sort of singing, however they accomplished that, it sounded real to me, you know, sort of like they were all singing on a New York City block type of thing, like, you know, for real. And why they didn't um, follow through with one of some of the more, um, excuse me, some of the other parts of the musical where the uh, full ensemble sings, mm. because there there are parts um, on on the street usually where it just starts with a simple dialogue or something, and then people start singing at the same time. You start getting you know you actually have to listen because there's plot going on, and then um, then everyone joins in in the whole cast, and and they're singing about the trials and tribulations of, like, New York City or being homeless in the winter or, you know, anything, any any, uh, number of things. Um, And it just becomes a cacophony of stuff that you couldn't couldn't possibly sort of uh, hear what they're saying, but you still, because it's different people singing different things, but it's still, like, going together musically, and it's beautiful in, mm. in its own way. That's why I'm sad about, about no big ensemble numbers. <laughs> well, and do you think you just feel more power when it's live because it's in that room than you of do? Of course. And film is just a little more removed. There's that right. fourth wall. Right, which is why they do some of the, you know, the scene changer, changing and trying to do some of the flashy visual stuff, you mm-hmm. know, with the movie. And some of it works. That makes sense. I mean, in some ways, that connection of live theater, of being in the room, no matter how far away, even though you have a better view from film, I I guess I would definitely agree with that. There's a spark there. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's done right and the audience is in sync with the performance, um, which is always has so many variables when it's live. Like, there's you can't. it's hard to recreate that. They're just totally separate. I mean... It's hard to judge them, too, because they are such... Di- I mean, their mediums have such different limitations. Yes. And pluses, in each in their own respective ways. Which is why Anthony Rapp is probably the best person in this movie. I think he's great. Um, I- <laughs> because he was in Inventors of Babysitting and a million other movies, right. um, which I didn't even realize before he was on Star Trek. Um, and then, you know, after being in those movies, he was in Rent, which is crazy, as the original Mark. I think he, as an actor, he can control his range incredibly well. Yeah. So he can tone it down for the yes. small screen and he knows be what as selective he's making as with to. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's zero doubt that he, he carries has La Vie Bohème completely. Like yeah. it's so fun. He's a very confident. <laughs> Him in the middle, like doing quiet, this. I would <laughs> he, say like a, a little quiet confident. <laughs> there's a quiet confidence about him, and yeah. he is a true professional. Yes. Uh, the Tango Maureen comes to mind when when he's dancing with Joanne. <laughs> um, 
you know, and, and he's sort of like flirting with her with his eyes and stuff. It's really, it's really funny. It's really fun. That's what it is. It's funny. It's not like romantic or anything. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what are some other I have not notes? looked at my notes yeah, at all. I, I say, hope you, gotta I go hope to you your guys notes. know this. <laughs> you gotta go to your notes. Well, oh yeah. And just in case I'm missing something good. Um, I think Roger is horrible still in the movie, and I'm sorry, Roger. I, I, you're a good. I, you're better than I am at, at stage singing and stuff. Um, but like, I, 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 you sound like an old man. <laughs> he sounds like an old man when it's um, who do you think you are? Like it's just stupid. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I never did. Santa Fe. Um, the song Santa Fe sounds amazing. Jesse Martin leads the song, and then they're all singing in harmony on the subway and they're dancing around. That was cool. One thing that I noticed about Jesse Martin is that he might have been trying to go a little big, like theater. I did <laughs> notice that. I, I, you know, talking about how Anthony Rapp had a great, has a great valve on that, and I love Jesse Martin. Right. I felt in some yeah. ways it was a little bit, it was harder to throttle back and forth for him. Still a good performance. Per- perfect in the fu- like, in the funeral scene. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, per- just amazing there. Some um, of that could also be the direction. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to throw any shade on that way, but in a lot Who of knows? ways, you, yeah. you, the director is the one that controls that tone. He's seeing what's happening and has to adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and on something like this, you know, there's... I know there's reshoots, but in those large group numbers and stuff like that, there's not that luxury a lot of times. It, whether you're Chris Columbus or just starting out at a film school or what have you, you know? Right. And that's interesting coming from him being on TV in the meantime. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird... And it is an interesting hybrid because some of the characters are a little bit over normal. Um, just because it's also a musical, they're a little bit over oh, yeah. what a I normal mean, you have to be film character would be. Which is the weird balance they're always trying to strike. Like with the live performance, it was yeah. way too conversational. The one on Fox was way too just like we're gonna yeah. throw away some lines and crap. No, don't. The fans will hate you. Well, and that was one of my notes that I had left was the whole musicals versus um, film or you know stage versus uh, film, and how that really changes the beast no matter what it is oh yeah um and it also offers an incredible amount of room for interpretation and artistry uh, and that so that's why i like and i think that that's why people want to see film versions of good stage because if you have a good story and, and other things the thought is that you can make a meaningful piece of cinema that that will be meaningful in its own way even if someone hasn't seen any of that other supporting material absolutely yeah i mean I think, you know, there was a lot of doubt whether they could make a movie. Like, so it took so them a while, too, didn't they? I think it was rumored for a long it's time. about, um, I guess, nine years, which is so much closer to when they did the musical than I thought ever thought, because mm. now there's been so much more time in between. Right. Um, well, not, I mean, more than there, ha- there was at the time from when the musical started. Well, and the only so. reason I say I think it took a while is because it was so big when it came out mm-hmm. that I thought the studio would capitalize on it sooner than that. Sure. Uh, okay, the life support meeting was amazing. Just the the part where they do the um, the round, they just have a very simple line that they that they all repeat, and they're and they're doing as a round. It's amazing. Um, I have that. There's almost no bad singing in the movie. I don't like Roger, but I I, I, I love Rosario Dawson, and I love um, I love uh, Tracy Toms. Tay Diggs is still awesome. Um, Adina Manzel is still awesome. Jesse Martin is amazing. I yeah, um, everybody, Adam Pascal. I'm sorry. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, Funeral is beautiful. I have, um, yeah, the missed opportunity for the huge ensemble numbers. I think we, we mentioned everything. Cool. That's pretty cool because it was or- organic, you know. We, we did some thought about it, but we didn't read from notes. Awesome. Well, I think every time we come into this, Chris and I both like to take notes and actually kind of um, look a little deeper into oh, yeah. these films. And I think that's what the whole point of this, this section of our podcast is for is to get us in better touch with our collection because you know so many people out there have all these movies that they have on their shelves that they don't ever watch and as we get going to the digital conversion or the digital storage model that some people want to go to you know i hope people don't stop adding to their collections because sometimes it's good to to go right to the disc not have to download or try and find it or get a good copy or whatever it may be just like put that disc right in and and go right to rent or whatever it may be I agree. I don't know if a lot of younger people would agree. Yeah, um, well, but that, and that's why um, it's dying, right? But like, I think we are are going to have that a little bit. Like, we'll probably buy physical media. Oh, you know, for as sure, long as it's available. <laughs> Absolutely, probably till we die. Yeah, and then still have ours. Right, and have the others as supplement, but our collection and probably most but, people I mean, of we're our not age getting rid, will... rid of very many movies. Maybe some. <laughs> right, duplicates some of them. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do. Have, we we had the same movie. Isn't that cute? You guys we had the same movies when we got together. So we did, and that, several. It, yes, it shows how compatible we were. Yep. All right. So final thoughts on Rent before we end this segment. Final thoughts. I uh, recently I I've heard that it it kind of was like the reputation of it has soured since the movie came out. Even, well, uh, I guess Rolling Stone didn't like it. Maybe that no one liked it. I don't know, but I, I loved it at the time. Um, I, I do see the cracks in it sort of this time watching and, and stuff like that. Um, but it looks great and, um, it was fun for me to watch. Well, I enjoyed it as well. Um, you know, not my favorite, but right. You know, that's the whole point of this thing too. Is I, I like being exposed to some movies that I wouldn't necessarily just put in, and um, it's nice to know that it's in our collection and that it's a it's a quality film. Excellent, and thank you for doing this segment with me. I love this movie, and I'm glad you suffered through it for me. Hey everybody, it's time for gay stuff. Gay stuff. Gay stuff. That's right, we spend uh, 30 minutes basically talking about uh, things that we uh, think are affecting or are part of the gay community today. Yes. Or. <laughs> how we're connecting to those things, which may or may not be of the moment, you know. Right. <laughs> kind of, because, I mean, but but we grab on onto things that we find and, you know, try to stay connected, I guess. As Absolutely. As old guys can. Right. And, you know, to various degrees, like, I don't seek net things out. And I know you don't either, like, just because that is gay or whatever is, like, not you have anymore. to. Not <laughs> anymore. I think I used to, but. Yeah, sometimes it just happens to be, but. You know. Right. I guess you maybe you find it more naturally now. Right. So this is a good catch-all for all of those wonderful things. Sure. So why don't you start us off for this installment of Gay Stuff. Okay. Well, this is a crossover between the music segment and Gay Stuff for a moment because, as I always say, I um, become obsessed with one artist at a time, one sort of band at a time or whatever. Um, now, it, for the last, I don't know, month or so, it's been... Just, 
artist called Perfume Genius. I, I knew the name and I think I, I was interested. I just, I don't know, the name got me interested. So I was looking on YouTube and, you know, started with the videos, which um, he has some bizarre videos, but he's definitely um, a gay artist uh, about my age, um, 38-ish, and um, he's... Uh, he was originally born in Des Moines, Iowa. That's just trivia. And now he's based out of Seattle. Um, he, he, he does sort of like indie um, singer-songwriter music, or at least that's how he started. It's almost like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another artist, like Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens maybe, or like somebody that just, you know, very piano and, and, and vocals. And he always considered himself a, um, a lyricist first. Um, which I agree with, like, the first album was very interesting lyrically because it's about, like, it's actually about being gay and, um, you know, he, he apparently um, had some, uh, I don't know if, if I should call it abuse, I don't know if that's my place to say, but, like, some interesting things happened in his late childhood or whatever, and um, he writes about it, <clears throat> including, like, a teacher that he may or may not have had a relationship with that um that killed himself and mm -hmm. i guess that's all real so um, did he did was he just born in des moines or did he grow up here as well he was here till he was like four. Oh, okay and then <laughs> so moved to I, seattle I just, with the family i don't know why or? i even no it's read cool. that but i was no, like, oh, des moines, cool anytime anything about des moines is cool <laughs> as far as i'm concerned anyway yeah um but i i don't know I, a lot of people um consider his music um, well, I'm sorry. I should I, was, I should continue because it's very interesting to go along the arc of how his his albums develop. Like, there's that first album that was just that's just very sad, like very stark, very like there's no relief from sort of a you know, I mean, if you'll forgive this, a, a white you know very a white guy just kind of you know being very emotional and like it's it's hard to get past that for some people. Um, and then you you get so to, is he emo like really emo? Would that you first say? album is called Learning, by the way. Um, I, I, they would call him. They, they would say that he is emo, but not not the music. Not, right. Not, I mean, it's not what we would call emo music. Right. What type of music? And I have never really heard much of this. I'm sure. Well, you've heard some of it. Um, and I know you've played some of that, but I, I don't necessarily. You've heard know if more I of identify the, it. more of the stuff as he's developed. Okay. So, like the next album is called "Put Your Back Into It." Okay. So right away, <laughs> you have sort of a gay like subtext in the title you have um more daring stuff on the album there's some like choir singing in the background there's some songs about um well i don't know it, it, it's it's a little more interesting musically there's a song about his mother being abused as a as a as a child so it's a really sad still but but he, you know there's some hope in there um and and he develops or whatever um, it, it's it's a better album, I'd say, like more listenable because it's not just like, oh, I'm at a piano and I can barely like lift my head is what the first album sounded like. And so then you then you get um, I, I really have focused on the last two albums since I've become a fan. Um, the, the album Too Bright um, has the song Grid, which is this cool thing where he gets into electronica a little bit. And it's about like, what if there's no God, basically? Um, and the the lyric is maybe baby this is it a diamond swallowed and shit and swallowed again and that's what life is whoa <laughs> i know you worry baby sometimes maybe baby you were right i know you worry 
like you know his fears basically this album is there's also a track called my body if you can just imagine what that would be um and and uh but anyway like it's more electronic it's more the sound is really cool because this is where he gets into like he'll start um a line of like bass or maybe his voice is in a certain certain mode or a certain um key or tempo and then something else comes in and completely like he doesn't change what he's doing but it completely changes what you think like the musical idea Hmm. it's hard it's hard um i'm I'm sure i'll try to intercut some things into this but um, it's it's hard to describe because you know there'll be a line of drum or something and you'll think it's going to be this type of song and then it turns out to be really beautiful or really sinister like you don't know and and usually the lyrics are very simple like that song only has eight lines of 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 lyric after the swallowed and shit line the the only line after that is at least you know where we've been (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's dark but uh, um next album the newest album is actually really um, a, a revelation it's 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 beautiful. It's called <laughs> No Shape, and it's from Shape 2000. Shapeshifter? 2017, so he's due for another album. album was in 2017 so this is me like not being in the moment of like what's popular now at all I guess but um everyone should listen to this artist it's he's so um if you're gay if you're an outsider um oh another little tidbit um he does make music with his boyfriend he's had the same boyfriend throughout all of this where they have um been in rehab together I guess um so anyway um yeah he's like his main musical collaborator Hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's very like rooted in the gay, um, the gay community, I guess. And, and, you know, I'm sure he has lots of gay fans and then, and his name is Mike Hadrius. It's one person really, um, with, with, you know, collaborators, but, Hmm. um, yeah, he goes by perfume genius and he, and everyone should, 
um, check them out on Spotify or, or whatever you've got. Awesome. That sounds great. Perfume genius. Yes. All right. Well, I you know, I'd like to actually uh, talk about a, a subject on uh, this installment of Gay Stuff. I, I mean, I have to make it an, an admission that I never before the last like month had watched any type of edition of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Right. I bar- I barely had when it was on in the ninth. Er- I'm sorry, early 2000s. I I knew of it. Like I knew I guess I knew that Carson from the first one cuz I think he got a huge media push when Carson it was initially out. Everybody knows him and knows his name and everything. Well, yeah. and he always kind of annoyed me. Like I think in some ways he kept me from watching the show because I felt it was too stereotypical. At least he was, and that's what they were highlighting. Yeah, um, but I think that's how I how I felt about it at the time too. Well, and but I knew Ted was who was on Chopped was on it, but and I really liked Ted on Chopped. That's how I first met him. Yeah, uh, you know, saw him online or on television. Ted anyway. seems pretty natural. And so it, I had no interest. And then, what do I mean? Do I mean that Ted is like more straight? Is that what I mean by that? No, I, I no. mean Ted is is just Ted. He's um, natural is a good natural is a good term and realistic. Like he doesn't look like he's putting on a fake show. Um, he he's just kind of observational. He tells you what's going on. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot going on behind Carson Kressley's brain. Like you know, like he, he's just he did have to put on an act probably for whatever career he had before that. It's a, what I was thinking earlier was that it's it, uh, in 2002 or whatever. It's a weird, or 2003, is that when it started? Um, it's a weird flashpoint of, of um, culture and what people think about, um, you know, what the culture was thinking about gayness and how that was being represented on TV and how it was quickly evolving, but maybe still not evolved. Break. <laughs> um, I'd say that... You know, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy probably would not have happened if it weren't for Will and Grace. Sure, I could definitely see that. Well, the the point, my point being is that, you know, hadn't seen anything before last month. And so then we started jokingly talking about, oh, maybe we should watch it because it's on, I think Netflix now does the new incarnation of it. Mm -hmm. And we've all heard of it. So we decided to watch them. And, um, wow, I... But like, I'm glad yeah, we did. Me too. Yeah. Um, I, I like the new one a lot. Um, I'm not sure if I like the old one. Um, yeah. I, I feel like the... Um, what I was going for was, uh, you know, even gay people didn't know how to be the, the voice for the gay generation, you know, their their generation of, of whatever. You know, being a representative for their whole culture on TV. They didn't know how to do it, and... I I think that's representative by, I mean it, it's fine if he's going if he's being himself and he's being feminine and and you know whatever but like, um, it felt I I said to you that it felt like it, it was the gay mafia or something like mm. it, like that you know they were trying to re- to represent that and be the sort of, um, something that the paranoid um, homophobic person might might fear or yeah. like. Like kind of press that button because maybe just because you know hey we're we are going to be in your face because this is our first time on TV we're, we haven't been in the spotlight on TV quite this way you know I mean it's not their first you know gay people have been on TV but this this show was sort of a 
a big, you know, flag in the sand for, you know, gayness, gay people. Right. And, you know, to be fair to everyone out there, we attempted to watch at least three of both the old and the new. So we'd have some kind of a basis for comparison. Right. For yeah, talking. We started with the new because we were interested in that. And then. And it's streaming on Netflix. So we have readily access to it. So, yeah. And, but that, I mean, that probably also tells you why we have the reactions we do because we have the negative um, juxtaposition. Of, of whatever was going on. Right. You well, know, even the fashion, it's like, okay, we're not sure. doing that anymore fashion-wise. Right. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so strange. Like, the the one that, that is going on now, which is just Queer Eye, that is Netflix interpretation of, of the, the series, right. it has a wonderful formula. It's very kind of uplifting. It does a lot of good and some charity work. It really hits you emotionally if you're an emotional person like I am. It really hits you, sometimes surprisingly, at places and makes you uh, tear up because they're either doing something for the person or for the community or for a combination of that, which when I watch the original, some of it is a little not just campy. Some of it is uh, almost kind of harassy in some points, at least Carson is, I think, Uh, touchy, overly touchy, which uh, it just is a weird feel to it. Yeah, it felt like I mean, it felt like. You know the straight, you know, teasing that that might get out of line to me. Like it felt, it felt like he was playing to that and being what someone might expect him to be. You know, as a predatory homosexual. Like it's, I don't know. Right. I, I'm so sorry. Like that's horrible. But that's how it comes across now. So it's yeah. It probably didn't then. Right, I mean, especially and it, because people loved him and women loved him. Right, you know, so and it's so it's in no way a big rebuke and, of and, him. And, and, it's and you just, know, like if 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 that's what you were going for, that's totally fine too. I mean, it's fine. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way in right. in 2019. Right, and I was and to me that says that we have made a lot of progress in 2019. That we don't. Some people don't feel that they have to act specific stereotypes. They can be however they want to. But they also can be comfortable in their own space without having to, quote, invade somebody's space or I don't know. To me, the spirit of the new show is something that as someone that is in the gay community can be proud of Mm -hmm. because it doesn't focus on a stereotype or, you know, kind of a swishy bottom type portrayal or whatnot. (laughs) Um, It gives very positive, very positive. They're all realistic. They even have the one that has hinted at because we've only watched what, five, five episodes of it of, of the, the new, new one. one yeah. So um, Karamo, he he has hinted that he has a son, so you know he has a more complicated history. So mm-hmm. they have that going on. They have, um, they have uh, the hairstylist that I don't remember his name, and he and he is really awesome. He's my favorite, probably. Well, everybody's and, favorite, I would say. Well, and they have <laughs> so well alluding to. Well, actually, his... that's not true. Anthony seems to be a lot of people's favorite, and think people think he's the hottest. The food, the food guy. Yeah, he is hot. Yeah, he's definitely hot. I really like the um, the interior or the rebuild guy. Like he's really cool, and I don't know all their names. Like I don't even know all the is names that the of the original. Guy? No, that's the guy that does all the. Yeah, it is the blonde guy. Okay. Yeah, he's nice, and then like he does gardening and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And all, he does really. I don't know. It's just a fun experience for me. Um, by the way, yes, I'd say that the the emotional stuff has hit me really hard every almost each time they've tried to do it, um, <laughs> which is you know they try to make you cry on the show, and um, it's it's probably perfected from 
extreme home makeover and like some of the more well years and years of reality shows yeah true but like these shows where it's about one person i mean where it's not necessarily a contest but it's about change in one person you know what not to wear and they've taken Um, all the best elements it seems Right, but I'm just saying that the emotional thing is very, very planned. Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Um, even though it's real, it's very, very planned. Um, well, and I okay. think that's great. That's what makes you feel like a human. Like, if you're not reacting to that stuff, like, I mean, some of it is part of the human condition that just for that short time that you're watching, you connect enough to be really moved by that because you can empathize with what's happening on the screen. Well, and the most emotional one, I think, was the three generation Marine who like, I feel like he was the one that had to warm up to the cultural shock the most. Um, maybe I, but, but he, you know, basically has a good time the whole time, whatever. He's very receptive. It's fine. Everything's fine. He, you feel like they, they still are in this town where it's like a redneck town or whatever. And, and they're, they're going to have a, you know, they're, they're not going to be ignorant. That's cool. Awesome. And then at the end, um, I don't remember exactly what he says, but like he says something about his love for for the guys, and like he's so sad that you know other people can't notice that you know I don't know we're all the same basically, or it, it was mm-hmm. something like that. But it got me so hard because it it wasn't about that until that moment, at least not for me, but it was for him the whole time. And then you realize, you know, how powerful it was for him, and you know. In, in the moment in the show and stuff. It's really good. Well, and we saw two different takes on firefighter-type episodes. Yeah. Uh, the old crew did one with a firefighter who had, had like been caught in, a, yeah. caught in a uh, fire and actually been, um, you know, yeah, well, that usually, really injured in the line of duty. Yeah. Usually they go more real in the new one, but that one was yeah. really a nice one because, yeah, he had burns and... And, you know, that was one of the few of that we watched of the, the original series that I felt that they were a little bit more empathetic and it wasn't as much about, you know, being gay. Maybe that's because they were in season four, so they didn't have to get that shock value to get viewers. Yeah. Which could definitely account for it toward the beginning because, yes, they were f- s- kind of swishy. Some of them were at the beginning, but... They had to be I different. I don't like that word because they can be swishy if they want. I mean, you know, sure. they can be feminine and they can be whatever. Right, they want. and I don't mean that negatively because the new uh, stylist in this one, would someone would consider him swishy, but he's just beautiful. You would think yeah. he'd be affected, but he's not at all. Like, right, he's that's not his beautiful personality just coming through. Yeah. And, um, I don't know why, but I feel with Carson, like some of it is it's not pleasant to it's me. I wouldn't want to hang out about around being that. being negative about someone that comes from. You know, it has that disadvantage of being back in time and like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and being the first and being yeah. um, being something that it does have to be a network draw and all that kind of stuff. It's that yeah. has to suck. Well, and, you know, uh, props to where credit is where credit is due. He did, you know, take that on and try to be as positive as he could and a visible member of you know, changing society because he was at that time, there was a lot of stuff that was pending, which we enjoy now that they didn't back then. I don't want to be overly harsh, but I'm just saying like cast wise, the the newer cast to me is, is just a little bit more dynamic and engaging and they, their energy kind of helps bring you through the entire process. So it's not just uh, we're going to throw a bunch of money at this and look at this new dishwasher and whatever. It's, 
and I like some. I don't want to overly trash the old segments. Usually, there's something like, really sentimental about the remodel that they do. Yeah, and so that's sometimes the the really emotional part too. Yeah, the recycling, the repurposing of important things in the remodels is really special, and I think is done a lot more now. Even you know, ten years after the initial premiere, they're you know finding ways, easy ways to put these kind of things into the actual places, which is really cool. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I, I like the remodels better, but I think it's because they were still in the 90s style. Like, I don't like some of the fashion stuff either in the in the earlier one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could we could talk all day about this, but I just think it's very interesting. If you haven't uh, checked out um, Queer Eye, or if you like the older one, we'd love to hear from you and let us know what you think about that. I think it's great programming, and I'm glad Netflix has kind of put it there in their lineup as any any positive gay programming, in my perspective, is is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. What else do we got on this installment of Gay Stuff? Um, well, uh, the next one I'd say is, is more your department. We have uh, the show um, from Greg Araki, the director, called Now Apocalypse. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. Uh, I have been a huge fan of Greg Araki for a long time. He's directed uh, several films, including The Living End was one of his first breakthrough films, mm-hmm. um, Doom Generation, Nowhere, Smiley Face. Um, he's done a lot of stuff, and it's always been um, very kind of strange Uh to, in my opinion, kind of gay leaning and um, very sexual. What was the last one that um, had um, Shailene Woodley in it? Like, you know, oh, um, yeah. Let me. Mysterious Skin as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Not, mysterious that's skin. not the last one, but that's more recent and stuff. Another um, one of his larger. <clears throat> for the record, yeah. Asian gay director. So, you know, I mean, if he's good, you got to support that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, after a few years in, in films at different times and intervals, um, he kind of turned his focus to uh, television and, or streaming services in this case. Uh, this this was a vehicle that was produced through Stars Streaming Service, I believe. Yes, it's a star. Well, it's a Stars original series. It's weekly. Right, and it's on their streaming service though too. It is also on their yes, absolutely. And so you have these, you have these. Uh, it's like he's, it's a mega Greg Rocky movie in some ways because he's involved with the writing and I think directing in almost every episode. And it's just so intense. Um, it is. Yeah, it's intense. I, I, it, it's weird how it, it's also a um, sort of a rom-com, you know. Uh, what, what, what would the like sort of a night soap type of thing with, you know, with different dates and, you know, people getting together and not whatever but then there's also you know maybe the apocalypse is going on maybe this guy just smokes too much weed the head character main character's name is Ulysses and um that's what they always say to him is that well cuz he's having all these hallucinations with aliens and things like that and he and they they say to him well you know maybe try not smoking weed for a couple of days and see if you still feel this way <laughs> yes. which also includes um which, early greg Araki favorite james duvall yeah he's somehow involved with in the more mystical stuff in the movie which is weird since it does 
crossover to what his role was in um, in Donnie Darko, almost. Well, well, and it's uh, funny because the aliens also cross over into nowhere as far right. as the alien type race that may or may not be taking over the country. Right. But all of that is secondary to um, <laughs> to the the sexual ex- exploits of the main characters and also the funny dialogue in each scene between the main characters, wouldn't you say? It is, and it's classic <laughs> Iraqi dialogue, yeah. and he is, and, I think, helped written every episode so far that we've seen. Ah, uh, that's cool. Um, I, I'd say that the dialogue and all of the you know the character stuff is very, um, very funny, but very like sincere. I don't know. There's something about it that that always is very sincere, like where um, <laughs> people's motives seem to be kind of pure, including, um, including the guy. They sort of have the the like it, the joke is he's a hundred percent straight, and so far that's you know been been true for what we've watched, basically. Um, and but but. You know he's he's surrounded by all this gay culture and 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 you know gay producers trying to get him to model and things like that and and he's kind of really naive and innocent. The cast is amazing. And the his ri- name's Ford, the character. The cast is really amazing. The writing and directing, because you have Greg Araki involved with both of those things. If you're a fan of his work, it is just like a celebration. Like it's so. It's like someone that, you know, had something you liked a long, not that long ago, but within the last 10 or 15 years, but then see them come back and be even better at that same vibe uh, so many years later. Like, it's so cool as a fan. And, I mean, it is very, uh, it's very sexually explicit. So you would lose a great majority of audiences that even maybe some odd people that are listening to us that would never watch this. Although, oddly... um not that much with with male nudity though. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, the last movie was White Bird in a Blizzard and it was really good. I just wanted to make sure to say that. Plus Kaboom, we didn't talk about that. I, I never really saw like that Kaboom. One. Yeah. Um I never saw that one. Splendor, uh, we're talking about films Greg Araki's directed. Splendor was not necessarily my favorite, but I mean Nowhere is still, I mean that came out in 1997 and that has been with me um and part of Anytime I had a vision toward gay cinema, uh, I would think of nowhere. And it is so cool to be back there with the TV series Now Apocalypse. And I'm so happy with stars. I hope this is getting good numbers and people are really enjoying it because I would love to. I would love to see where this goes. And and uh, we, and I don't think we've even mentioned some guest stars that have been in it. Like recently, R.J. Mitty of Breaking Bad fame. Uh, Walt Jr. Yeah, he's good. Was in an episode, and it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, whatever. I I like the new actors that they have. One of one of them I was I I noticed was from Desperate Housewives. The I'm sorry, the actor that plays Ford is was on Desperate Housewives, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really like him back then. I think he's gotten a lot better. Yeah, Bo Murchoff. And the the new kind of lead guy, uh, Ulysses. Um, was it Avon? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Um, he's he's very good. Uh, better than I think Duvall was when he was doing the early work with Iraqi. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think his actors were ever good until Mysterious Skin, probably. Even, like, Rose McGowan? Uh, I, I like Rose McGowan for a certain 
quality, but I don't think that she's that great as an actress. Hmm. I don't know. Well, his his friend uh, Kelly, who's played the, by Car- uh, Carly Carlson, no, no, character Carly Carlson is played by Kelly Berglund, is awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I think she's even, she upstages the star, or Ulysses, to me almost on an, an, an every episode basis. Like, she is just so engaging. Yeah, I like her. She's funny. She's got lots of sex stuff going on. She was a cam model, so, that, you know, whatever. I, I think that she, by accident, because she's a cam model, starts get. you know, she gets caught with some implements, some toys, and, and, and her boyfriend, like, starts getting more kinky with her because that's what he thinks she wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think we're about eight episodes into a, a ten-episode arc, I believe. Um, Is it? Okay. So we've got a little bit to go before we finish this season. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. It seems like every episode flies by so quickly, and there's always kind yeah, of it's a... it's just a half an hour. It's, it's, it's nice. Like a fun twist at the end. Um, and they also have great music uh, for the title sequences and throughout the piece, I think. It's- yes, I think I recognize a lot of the end, end credit stuff. They had um, Lady Tron, uh, Destroy Everything You Touch is one of my favorite songs that's on there. So that's really good. Well, and the visuals are beautiful, too. Like, it really, it looks good. I think it, it really kind of uh, evokes a certain feeling in you. And you should definitely check out Now Apocalypse. Do it. Yes, please do it. Because, yeah, we want people to watch it. <laughs> well, right. Anything else that we want to get to on this installment of gay stuff? Um, is there? I think I'm gayed out for now. Just kidding. Uh, you can never be gayed out. Stay gay, guys. Right. Don't try. Don't pray the gay away from me. <laughs> it don't work. Keep not the gay work. in. <laughs> Gays do. Gay stuff. Gay stuff. Yeah. Gay stuff, baby. Gay stuff, baby. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll stop. <laughs> okay, it's time for our reader mailbag segment with your emails. Mailbag. Um, yeah. And we have a brimming Chris and Sam give a damn hat filled with emails. It has a grand total of, of one in it. And uh, so... So as we promised, um, since since you wrote into us, we will read it on the air. If we start getting um, 100 emails, we won't do it anymore. But, you know, I, I have a feeling that that's not going to happen for a while. So here we go. Um, this one is from David in Indiana. Imagine that. Okay. <laughs> what do you have to say, David? What does he have to say? From David, a couple questions. Um, he has five here, okay? I'm just going to say one, two, three, four, five. One, I would like to hear your thoughts about the sci-fi genre or any sci-fi movies you like that are not horror movies. Okay, so too much horror. We hear it. <laughs> I love sci-fi. Sci- I think, yeah, what will we, what, what we talk about? Well, you know, I think that's a actually good basis for maybe a future segment. We can talk about some sci-fi. I mean, um, everything sure. from like... Um, it might be more of like a segment, though. We might have to be like, okay, these are the sci-fi movies we like. Right, because I mean, for me, you got <laughs> just the Star Wars, the Star, Star Trek, Wars. just at the, at the top, and that doesn't you like the Star Trek movies? Right. You do? I do. Cool. For, for um, what they are. Like, I like them all. There's also... I don't like Avatar. 
There's also the Avatar um, sucks. <laughs> Sorry. Dune, the movie Dune would be considered a sci-fi movie for right? sure. And I haven't, and I need to see it just because I'm a David Lynch completist. And right, I and that never... may cross over in the horror. Definitely, Event Horizon would be horror. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't consider that sci-fi. So really. lots of good sci-fi. Of All right, sci-fi move horror. move on to his next question. Yeah, that are not horror movies though. So hey, um, yeah, eh, who knows. <laughs> Okay, number two. I would like to hear your thoughts about Val Kilmer and his career as an actor. Well, that could also be another long segment. Okay. That's well, awesome. I don't really know much about him, really. Did you you ever see Real Genius? That's where Once. I first... I first. I, so there's Real Genius, there's Willow, there's... Um, what else? Um, there's uh, Batman. I thought he was pretty good as Batman, but it was very short-lived. Uh, looks like David also asked about our impressions of Warwick Davis. Right, and, and if we're picking up on a certain theme, which I already spoiled. Which is Willow. Which is Willow. Which I just heard that Ron Howard is going to be directing a, a sequel to that. A movie sequel? Yeah, at Disney. Because oh. everything's owned by Disney now, pretty much. Okay, so Warwick Davis would be in it then. Maybe. Probably, since he was in Solo, hopefully. Right. That, mm, that's an interesting point. I don't know why you do it. I, I guess, to me, sometimes, like, the actor seems like the most important thing. So, like, sometimes it's, like, why that, that was so much a part of the original appeal, I thought. Right. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, moving on to another one of David's questions. Uh, is there any current popular music that you give a damn about? And I think Chris answered one of those in the earlier yeah, segment. Yeah, if you consider Perfume Genius um, current. Um, and then I guess the most current thing that I'm really, really into is um, probably Janelle Monet. She had mm. one of the biggest albums last year. Um, and, yeah, that it, it just really, really rocked. Um, and she's... You know, come out as as pansexual. Literally, that's what she la- labels herself. You know, so that there really aren't any labels. I think is the idea there. But um, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> I am not up on any current popular music. That's what my husband is for. I'm kind of trapped in my Green Day and punk ska type loop forever. <laughs> I'm always Some up for Lady Gaga in. when she when she comes out with something new. So I, I was. Um, happy when she got her stars born stuff not that that's my favorite music but yeah so but like we it. but at least one of us stays up to date on current popular music oh no not really yeah <laughs> more than me for sure <laughs> so david's last question it says on a separate note have you thought about doing a mystery science theater 3000 type thing where you do commentary about the movie as you're watching it so that we can watch it while you're listening it to you and I think okay, it's all one sentence, so I'll just pick up halfway through. Where you do commentary about the movie as you're watching the movie so that we can watch it while listening to you. And I would be totally open for that. And I would be totally open for that. I don't know about you, but I think that might be fun. Yeah, what movies do you guys want us to do? Because I, I, yeah, what would you actually care about us, think, you know, Yeah. joking through? <laughs> so send us your emails at Chris and Sam give a damn all spilled out at gmail.com. Just tell us what you think of the show or if you have some uh, specific questions you'd like us to answer. And most of all, we really appreciate you listening to us and just engaging in the conversation with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David and from Indiana for sending in those wonderful questions and keep listening to the show. We'll have more emails as we get them. Awesome. 
All right, so that's Chris and Sam, give a damn, all spelled out, at gmail.com. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs> We're married. Yes. This has been a test of the South Sider Studios podcast system. This was only a test. If this were a true lack of entertainment, your head would explode. Go to iTunes and subscribe to our feed. Just search South Sider Studios. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.